It is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Producer Rob is back with us today. Uh, did you get woken up by the earthquake overnight at 2 a.m.? I did. This shook the crap out of my house. Um, and then it was short. It was a quick one and stopped. And, yeah. you know, people, not a lot of people experience earthquakes, especially if you don't live in California. But when you do, you just sit there waiting for the next you know, shake right. to come and uh, nothing, nothing happened after that one. So we're happy. The house is okay. I, I called on some people that I know that lived in Malibu. I believe that Malibu was the epicenter, which is. Yes, it was. Kind of a little scary. Cause you know, there's a lot of mountains there and mudslides. And after all this rain, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, the canyons look like, but all is good here. Did you feel it? Oh yeah. I, I'm not a good sleeper regardless. So when that, when that starts to shaking, Oh, I get terrified. Oh, it's it's horrible. I, I'm sure that Brady, our 17-year-old, had no idea. That guy could sleep. If there was a train running through his room, he wouldn't know. I wish I had that sleep gene. Were you here in 94? I was were you not. In Reno? It, oddly enough, I was not in Reno yet. I was working in Cincinnati, but okay. part of the reason Michelle moved to Reno was after the North Ridge earthquake. She was like, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. So if that earthquake hadn't happened, because that was two miles from where she grew up, yeah, where she was living at the time, you know, and you were right in the middle of it too. I was further away, but my my life was there. My grandparents had a house in Reseda, which is really close yeah. to Northridge, and it, I mean everything got messed up. We we ended up living in a trailer in my grandparents' uh, driveway wow. because the freeway overpass that we would take to get there in the morning was fell apart. So there's no way That's... to get this. We had to sleep in a, in a trailer for like, I don't know, three or four months. Ooh. All right. Well, this is not earthquake today. It is baseball today. <laughs> so let's get to it. Uh, Scott Rowland, the lone Hall of Famer, as voted on by the writers yesterday. Uh, quite an accomplished hitter. Uh, Rowland also inducted because of his eight gold gloves, his outstanding base running as well. How much does Rowland's all-around game bode well for a more diverse hall moving forward, in your opinion? If this guy in this type of game like took this long to get into the Hall of Fame, I don't know what we're doing here, people. I want to give him a little bit of credit before we talk about anything else. I mean, Scott Rowland is one of the best baseball players to ever play baseball. Now, he's in the Hall of Fame, so we know that. But it, whether you look at his numbers or whether you saw him play, I mean, he was special. I, I think back watching him man third base, you know, uh, he has eight gold gloves, Chris. And he's a big boy, 6'4", 245, they got him listed as. And you watch him over there, and it was like a bear playing third base. He's getting to everything, and everything was so consistent. I think that's that's always been part of getting into the Hall of Fame is being consistent for a long period of time. I mean, he was the model of that. He ended up with 70.1 career baseball reference war. I got to see him in Cincinnati at the end of his career. And even there, I think he was an all-star two out of the, two out of his last three seasons. And he was just a guy you looked at and were like, and you said, this is who I want to be like. Like he did everything really well. And like elite, you know, we say like he mm -hmm. was an okay hitter, an 855 career no, he wasn't OPS. Okay. This guy was an absolute star. And the way he did it as like, I always go back to he was just bigger over there, but he moved so gracefully. Mm. 
And and that to me really stood out about him. So I'm happy that he's in. And again, you you asked me the question of how does it bode for people moving forward, like with all around games, it should bode really well for them. These people who can do it all. I mean, that's kind of the definition of, of a ball player. And, you know, when you played baseball at any level, you, you know, who those guys are, the guys that can just get it done. Scott Rowland was one of them. And I hope, and hopefully this, opens the floodgate for more guys to get in with his type of skill set. But he was so elite. I, I I feel like we're always trying to, or not always, but over the last couple of years, when we talk about Scott Rowan, we're like, well, he was really good defensively, but as a hitter, you know, bullshit, mm-hmm. dude, this guy was a stud. He was. And I, I have to tell you, obviously I'm not a baseball writer, so I don't have a vote for the hall of fame, but I have changed my thinking. I think over the last decade, I used to, think that okay while I was watching that person play did I think surefire hall of famer and I think that when I was watching Scott Rowland play throughout his career I was never like oh dude I feel like I'm watching a hall of famer but sometimes that you have to kind of step back a little bit and make sure that you're checking all the boxes of telling the story it's interesting because we think of him as an elite base runner well the first thing we always thought about as kids when you talk about base running is what stolen bases He's got 118. That doesn't tell much, tell you much. But when you talk to every guy he played with or against, they were like, Scott Rowland ran the bases as well as anybody. And that helps. That helps you win games. It might not show up. It might not be the thing you talk about right after a game. But players who play the game and people who really watch it for a living understand that sort of stuff. So I think it does open it up for more diverse. Like, Poppy was an easy one for the most part. Dude slugged over 500 homers won multiple rings, leader of a team. He's in there because of what he did with that piece of lumber in his in his hands. But I think that it's great that we are in, we have the ability now to focus on the game in its entirety, not just batting average, home runs, RBIs. And I think that will make the Hall of Fame even a more special place than it is. The video of him telling, I believe it was his mother. Oh, are you parents. kidding me? Oh, he gets choked up saying, get like, I, I, I'm in, uh, yeah, the dog, everything was so perfect about that video. Oh, there's multiple dogs. Yeah. And his dad in the walker, you know, coming over and say, what's going on? What's going on? Like, uh, I'm telling you, dude, it's, I've had the good fortune of being around people when they win championships. And then when they get into the hall of fame, I used to host the show on NFL network when they would announce the hall of fame class. And it's you, I, some of the greatest memories I've ever had in television because you're just around people. You just kind of get to watch them and just see yes. how their life changes in a second. Beautiful. It was beautiful. Beautiful. So touching. I loved it. By the way, um, I am wearing a Cardinals hat. I apologize. I cannot find my Phillies hat. I would have switched it midway through the answer. That's interesting. Him both a Cardinal and a Philly. Yeah, me too. And he's always wore red. Except for the one brief stop in Toronto. Toronto, yep. There's a little bit of red in there. Um, yeah. W- w- what does he go in as? Uh, he could go in uh, logoless. We've had that recently. So I-, I think he goes in as a cardinal, but I, I'm not 100% sure. I know that would piss off Philly fan, where I think he actually played a year longer than he did in, in okay. St. Louis. One other quick rolling story, and then we'll move on. Um, he did not love talking to the media and it wasn't because he was a big surly guy or anything. He was pleasant. He just didn't, he didn't enjoy that part of the game. And when I was getting preseason interviews one year for Fox, 
he was on my list of guys I wanted to get. He was with the Reds at the time. And Rob Butcher, who's their awesome communications director, was like, I don't know if he's going to do it. You know, he just that's not his thing. I said, I respect that. Well, he comes rolling down the hall. He goes, OK, Rosie, let's do this. And I didn't really know him. He goes, I got to be honest with you. The only reason I'm doing this is because Millar called me and told me to do it. So here I am. <laughs> so, yeah, they had played together in Toronto and became friends. So shout out. Uh, what was the next most important story to come out of the Hall of Fame voting yesterday? I don't want to get negative. This is usually a positive show, but I, I want to. We talked about the way that guys are getting inducted and kind of the voting process of all of this. What gets me, Chris, is we see these massive jumps in voting. And I don't really understand that. Now, I know we took some people off of the ballot. You know, it was a lot of the steroid guys are off of the ballot this year. But does, is that the only reason we saw these massive jumps? If you thought, if you think this year that Billy Wagner or Andrew Jones or Todd Helton deserved your vote, they didn't deserve it last year. Or if you didn't vote for those guys this year, but they're so close now. Todd Helton was only what, like 11 votes shy or something like that. Mm -hmm. Are you going to vote for him next year because he was only 11 votes shy and you see this momentum? Like, I don't understand that thought press process. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. There's only a certain amount of votes you could have each year, right? You can't vote for you, the entire thing. You can vote for up to 10. Okay. So that's more than I thought it was. I thought it was five. So that now makes even less sense to me. Like, if you think a guy is going to be a Hall of Famer down the road, like, why are you waiting three years to vote for this guy? I don't understand that thought process. Is If he's a Hall of Famer, if he meets your criteria to be a Hall of Famer, vote for him. Let's not wait. Let's not have these massive jumps. Like, I, I, I don't understand that. So to me, that it's exposing that side of things where it's like, what are what are we doing? Why are we waiting so long? Is it a, a, a media pressure thing as we see these guys get closer and closer to that 75% threshold? I don't know what it is, but I just don't like the fact that we're waiting. If you think he's a Hall of Famer, vote for him. Well, I do think part of it is we have to remember, as, as much as some people don't see them that way, writers are human too. And so the closer somebody gets to their end of eligibility – meaning they've got 10 years and then they're off the writer's ballot. Sometimes I imagine they sit there with the, the little list of guys and they go, do I want to be the reason this person doesn't want, doesn't get in the hall of fame? Like, could I live with myself if I'm the one vote that could have changed that person's trajectory? I, I imagine that's part of it. I really do. To me, there were four guys that jumped up at least 14%, which is a substantial amount. Substantial. Yeah. So it was uh, Helton, Wagner, Andrew Jones, and Gary Sheffield that all jumped at least 14%. To me, Sheffield's the most interesting one because if you just look at his numbers, just the numbers and you watched him play, that guy's a Hall of Famer. Yes. The one thing that is holding him back is that he admitted that he accidentally took the cream. I don't know how that accidentally gets on you, whatever, but you can measure that out the way you want. He jumped from basically 40% to 55%. Now, does he have another 20% in him? I doubt that. But maybe, maybe people are starting to change their thought process on those people who did not get penalized for using whatever they used. Maybe some people will say, maybe they don't buy his, that he accidentally put it on. 
But maybe they're finally going, you know what? Baseball didn't punish them, so why should I? That's the one I'm going to be watching next year most closely. I do not envy the people who have to vote for the Hall of Fame because you do have to struggle with these types of decisions. You know, when you have guys linked to PEDs, now we're seeing it with Carlos Beltran and and the Astros uh, scandal, which I had a couple of yeah. ball players. I, I had conversations with them last night about that. And, you know, in my opinion, I think that is on par with, and I know he didn't do it his whole career. So like, that's something you have to think about, but like being part of that scandal and really, if you think about it, like him, Cora, and Hinch, those are the guys that I blame for that whole thing. Uh, I don't blame the young guys. I, if you're a rookie, you listen to the veterans. Uh, that was a massive thing, and they ruined some people's reputations by continuing to do it. Um, I don't envy the 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 writers for having to be those enforcers. You know, like it's 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 a difficult job, no doubt about it. Uh, and Sheffield's a, a clear example of that. Yeah, you know, I thought Beltran actually did better than maybe I anticipated out of the gate. He got nearly 50% of the vote. Um, well, his numbers are incredible, way, too. Is, oh, well, his his numbers are ridiculous off the boards. I mean, he was, you talk about a complete player. Power, he could just hit, he could get on base, he could run, he could steal bases, and he could play defense. He could do everything. Um, he has been penalized the most out of anyone because of the cheating scandal, right? He got released as manager of the Mets and hasn't, as far as I know, hasn't gotten another interview. And now he's being penalized as a player as well. So it's, it's kind of interesting that he's the one that's wearing this. Well, I think, like I said, I think, yeah, him, Cora and Hinch, those are the guys that are, were the, like, but people that should have stopped this, but they didn't. Cora and Hinch are back though. And have I know. Yeah, you're right. No, you're totally right. Well, well, Beltran's doing TV and stuff and, you know, hired by a team. That's not the same. That's not the same. I bet. I it's bet not. you, if he wanted to, he can go back into managing. I don't think he wants to. I, do you? I do. I do. Huh. If those two guys, I don't. We don't need to go back onto this. I don't understand that at all. Okay, but very quickly, and I want to kind of put a cap on this point. Each of those guys had World Series resumes as managers. That's the reason they're back. Sure, sure, I could see that. That's and right. at the time, the Mets were, they didn't know what the hell was going on. Then Steve Cohen came in and changed that franchise. Right. Like, yeah. Right. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL and people. It is time. Four NFL teams left, two conference championship games, and we got a doozy of a deal for you. If you're a new customer, you can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. And even if you're not a new customer, we can do these stepped up same game parlays. You take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100 percent and all you have to do is download the DraftKings sportsbook app and use code baseball today new customers can bet five dollars on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly only a DraftKings sportsbook with code baseball today minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details uh let's talk about um alex core's team the red Sox. they pick up uh, adalberto mondesi for lefty reliever josh taylor a bigger deal that mondesi helps fill the trevor story void or that he never really took his game to the next level while with Kansas City? It's a tough question for me to answer. I, I, I like that he's going yes. there. I want to talk about the positivity of this. I think he is going to help out with that void at shortstop there. You know, between 
PK and Mondesi, I think you could you could figure some things out. When we talk about the Red Sox offseason, and I just uh, went on Talking Baseball and talked about how I thought they are kind of losers in this whole offseason process hmm. uh, because I didn't really upgrade their pitching, their starting pitching staff uh, enough for me. Um, the Trevor Story news, I think, really hurt them and their lineup because if you can slot him in at shortstop and get him back to even 80% of what he was, uh, you're looking at a very, very good shortstop. Now we're kind of trying to piece something together. I love Kike and Mondesi as players, uh, but they're not Trevor Story with the Rockies. Um, so I think this helps them out. I don't think it's the solution. And maybe it could be. Maybe he takes that jump. Maybe he feels the pressure. And Kansas City, they weren't going to win. And sometimes, you know, you don't feel that that edge that you need. If you go to Boston and they're trying to get out of last place and you're playing against the competition he's going to be playing against, sometimes that elevates dude's performance. And hopefully that happens for Mondesi. But I, I like the addition. I think he's got the skill to play shortstop. I like He watched that guy play super, super toolsy. So I guess that kind of alludes to the second part of the question of the, did he ever really fulfill the potential, which is probably no, but there's still time left for him to do that. Yeah, he's he's been a disappointment at the plate. Once he gets on base, he's great. In fact, from a three-year span from you know 2019 through 2021, and that includes the pandemic-shortened season in 2020, he stole almost 100 bases. And because of the new rules, in terms of limiting a pitcher's ability to throw over to first, he could be a major, major weapon at some point. I mean, even in late in games, if if he comes on as a, let's say he's a defensive replacement and they put Kike somewhere in the outfield or they move him to second, or whatever it is, however you want to do it, you have Mondesi's legs with the ability yeah. to change a game. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal for Boston. That's a weapon. Um, part of the reason that Kansas City's been caught in the muck in late, you know, the last few seasons is because guys like Mondesi just haven't developed. So this is a problem for them. They've got to get guys. And now I'm reading that. So they traded Michael A. Taylor a couple days ago. They traded Mondesi yesterday. I You read that Hunter Dozier might be available. I, I'm curious what they're doing there. It just I don't know. feels a little bit all over the place. Kansas City is an interesting ball club for me because I saw them go from nobody in the stands to everybody in the stands. This is mm -hmm. one one of the most packed houses when I was playing against them. Obviously, they were in the World Series back-to-back -back years. That really helped. And now they're kind of back to like, what are you going there to see? Besides the ballpark, the ballpark's cool to go see. It's old but nice. And now you know, you got to give your fans something, dude. Yeah. And I'm not saying that not. hanging on to Hunter Dozier and Michael A. Taylor and Adalberto Mondesi is – you know, is going to turn you into a 95-win team. But it just, it's like, you know, those are guys that you felt like you could help springboard into something fun down there. And it just it's, hasn't it's, been. We're going to have to rely on my guy, Vinny Pasquatino. I love him, but it's a lot of just subtraction, subtraction, subtraction. You know, like we need some addition there. We need to see some... A better record. I mean, there's so many things you have to do right. I know it's difficult to do that, but right now they're just... They're, Seemingly going in just a bad direction. Speaking of which, you mentioned that we don't like to be negative, but sometimes you have to be realistic as well. Uh, we're about three weeks out from camp. Which team had the most head-scratching offseason? Better not be the one that I picked. I hope it's not. Um, there's a couple teams you could talk about. I think, you know, the Mariners 
are an interesting one. They made some moves. Hmm. I, I kind of wanted to see them go a little bit further there. Um, the Red Sox I mentioned, I thought, you know, they kind of, they're in a place now where did you do anything to get out of the cellar in the AL East? And I don't know if they did enough to get out of the cellar in the AL East. So to me, that's why I gave them my my biggest loser. Another head scratch one is is the Marlins for me. Like, I think they're so close. Hmm. I think they're so close. That's going to be my Do answer you? for you for this question. Well, they could be. They could be because they, they could have be. they could be yeah, so I mean, close. Well, it's it's going out and getting players and and convincing players to come to your team. Like when you have the stockpile of pitching that they have, you're the envy of the league, okay? And they've they've turned that in. It is they traded one, got Luisa Rice. I I like that move. I think it's going to help their offense, but like there were free agents out there to be had, not just this year, the last couple of years as well. Like they needed to go make those moves. They brought in some guys. They bring in, what is it, Soler? They bring in Avisel Garcia. But I think there are better hitters to be had. And they could have, they, they could do that. They have the they have enough room payroll wise. Remember, there's no salary cap in baseball, but you know, the self-imposed cap mm. they put on each each uh themselves. They could have went out and made some moves offensively. And we could have been talking about like the Marlins are fucking scary. I want to say that. I want to be able to say that, Chris. And I just, we can't. We can't say that because offensively, they don't have enough. How many games? You watched a lot of uh, Marlins games last year. How many games were you just like, dude, if you guys could just score a few runs, things yeah. would be completely different. They have not addressed that enough. Okay. And like, if you're looking at bounce back years for Soler and Avisail Garcia, great. I hope they do have bounce back years. Even with them in the lineup, it's still not enough. And that's why I say they're close. Now, I don't know who they could have went out and got if it was a Jose Abreu type figure. Um, you know, possibly there's other trades on the horizon for them. But to me, I, I just teams dream about having the depth of starting pitching because they can now go make these moves, whether trading them or just going and bringing in the you know the offense that they're lacking. They just haven't done that. So that to me, that's a little head scratching. Okay. I think that's a good one. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Orioles. Winning record last year. Well, I'm going to repeat that. Winning record last year. I say that because their winning percentage, the four previous seasons, 321, 417, 333, and 290. Dog shit. And then last year, fun, young, energized team, you look at that farm system, you're like, oh, my God, they're coming. They are coming, or in some cases, they're here. So what do they do? Their biggest move was to trade for a catcher who's making more than $12 million each of the next two years in James McCann. I like James McCann. I think he's a solid player. Last year, major injury issues, and come, you know they were buying low. So I guess that's what they're doing here, and they'll hope that he – but they have a catcher. Your best player is a catcher. Adley Rutschman is going to be back there 135 games. So what we're hoping that James McCann can be back there 30 games and DH a little bit and provide some pop. I mean, is that what we're doing here? Because he's not going to play first base. So I, yeah, yes. I think you, ju- I think you just kind of have Adley's future in mind when you sign a guy like James McCann, not having him back there for so many games. Okay, right. The rest of their moves, Kyle Gibson serviceable hey. starter hope no no no. hold on you have to i i like Gibby too but i mean come on if, if we're talking about a guy that can lead a young rotation maybe he's an excellent leader i'm sure he is 
But I'm talking about the dude. Carlos Rodon was right out there, you know, and I know that, you know, they're working for, they're waiting for Grayson Rodriguez and Hall and saying those will be our guys of the future. That's fine. Let somebody else be the dude right now. That Their payroll's under $70 million. Yes, yes, I, I agree with you. They 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 could have went out and capitalized on last year, and they haven't done that. And and now, I mean, if you really look at them, you really look at the rosters, and I know you, you got to play the games. I mean, you're slotting them in at fourth in the AL East, third right. third at, at best. A lot of but, things would have to go right for them to break into you know, and and I, and I know they were competing for that last wild card spot up until what the last like couple days of the season last year. So maybe that's yeah, they're just saying hey. We're here. We don't have to do any mu- anything until we get these reinforcements um, from our farm system, which is excellent. But That's I agree with ifs. you. I agree with you. They could have went out and did a little bit more this offseason. And you can say that about a lot of teams. Totally. Yeah. Yep. I'm still rooting for them. We'll see. Last thing before we get out of here on the YouTube and the podcast side. Um, I think it was down in Venezuela. The Ronald Acuna Jr. home run. Yeah. And the longest, most decorated celebration ever. I think I read that he had nine different celebrations before he even reached first base. <laughs> now, you and I love celebrations. We are all about it. Was even this a little too much? I'm on the record of saying is I don't love all celebrations, Chris. I think I like raw emotion. I don't like pre-planned things like when the when the brewers did the whole like bomb thing and everyone fell over like i mm-hmm. thought that was so corny and i'm over that uh this one was a little bit of raw emotion and a little bit of planned it seemed like the one thing i'll say is it's in venezuela you know if you see these guys play ball in the winter they, this is what happens i think it's gotten a little bit more and more and more as social media uh has been around and you know we we like to see these clips Ronald Acuna Jr. is known for doing stuff like this. He's obviously going to take it uh, to the next level when he's playing Winter League. The funny thing is, he does this, and I think after the game, I saw Hector Gomez tweet out uh, an interpretation of his Instagram story saying he retired from the Venezuelan League, so like he's never going to play again. (laughs) So like, Was this his last at bat? I don't know. It was a 3-0 pitch. I like the passion. Um, But, you know... I don't know. I'm I'm iffy on the whole thing. It's it's it was it was a little much. I I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was real. I thought it was pretty authentic. Yeah. And yeah. I will tell you this: if I were a Texas Rangers fan, I'd be loving life. I'd be like, holy shit, he looks great in a Rangers uniform <laughs> <laughs> with that stuff. There are some people who, of course, are going to hate it. I would love to make some old old school old heads who haven't changed their thought process on celebrations make sit them down and get their thoughts and you don't know what was said during the game like what pissed him off like does he hate the pitcher like there's all sorts of things you could point to and yeah mm-hmm. trust me go speak to people who have played in uh you know in venezuela and the dominican for winter ball and this is just this is what happens it's very passionate we've brought or they excuse me have brought that to major league baseball and it's for the betterment of the game it really yeah. is. We I wish we had as much passion in the stands as they do down there. It's, it's tough to do yeah. that. Uh, but I think we can learn a lot from going and studying those games and, and seeing what, what's going on. Because, dude, like I talk about this all the time from like you go to a concert and you might not like 
the band that's playing, but if they put on a good show and the crowd's into it, you have no choice but to have fun. And the same thing could be said about a baseball game. If you go to one in, in, in these winter leagues, the passion is there. Like you're going to have fun because everyone else around you is having fun and the entertainment uh, on the field is great. So I think that we could learn something from, from them. Why would you go to a concert for a band you don't like? Well, uh, if it was like a festival, you know, we have multiple oh, uh, performers playing, something like that. Blink-182 is my is my uh, example I give all, all the time. I don't really listen to their music, uh, but when I saw them perform and the way the crowd was, Put it was awesome. a good show. Yeah. Got it. Good. Sounds good. All right. Um, listen, we're, we're going to take the rest of the week off, and then we're back at it again next Tuesday. I know. Crazy. We are almost in February, dude. Almost it's probably there. good because there's not going to be a lot of news, I don't think, over the last the next yeah. couple of days. We're kind of we're yeah. kind of running on fumes here as far as the uh, the news in baseball. A lot of the free agents have signed. Yeah, but there's been a lot. <laughs> Listen, I haven't we haven't had to dig hard to create shows, which is really good. I'll give the yeah. baseball hierarchy uh, its credit in the off season and some some intervention by the baseball gods and some of the doctors for giving us really good topics out some there. Of the so doctors. we appreciate it. All right, everybody have a wonderful weekend. Continue to check out the Rose Rotation. Joey Votto is out there right now. Uh, continue to check out Talking Baseball, the number one podcast in your baseball world as well. Uh, for our one-of-a-kind producer, Robbie Scirocco, and my man T. Plouffe, I'm Chris Rose. We will see you next week on Baseball Today.